You ever wonder what exactly goes into an episode of L.A. Meekly? Well, stand up and sit down and sit back and step right in. This first room is our think tank where our idea men, Greg and Daniel, come up with this month's episode topic. How about oranges? That could fill an hour and a half. I don't know. The next room is our data hub where our crack researchers, Greg and Daniel, scour the internet everywhere from Wikipedia to Yahoo comments to put together a tasty episode flavored with delicious facts. Shut up a second and let's listen to what they have to teach us. Did you know that the Hollywood sign used to say Hollywood land? Really? Let me double check that. Uh, no, no, didn't. Now this is a special treat, but since you've all passed your background checks, here's a rare glimpse into the recording chamber with your beloved hosts, Greg and Daniel. And please, no flash photography, Greg will scamper. Please, just a drop of water, let us die. Alright, lock them back up. Our last stop is the marketing and fan relations department. This wing is yet to be built. Well, that concludes our tour, but if you stand right where you're sitting and listen real hard, maybe, just maybe, you can... Please insert quarter to continue tour. You have chosen not to. How about a nickel? The monsters. The monsters. Yeah, we're the monsters. Here we are, scary monsters. Here we're not monsters. We're the monsters. I knew there was words to that. Here we are. Hello. Live. Shaky microphones and all. <laughs> shaky hands and shaky tongues. <laughs> I hope you're all sitting by your radios for this. We won't be broadcast on them, but we just hope that you're close to them. Yeah, stay close. Don't forget your roots, people. <laughs> Episode 19, I believe, of LA Meekly. I am Daniel of I'm, the summer. I'm Greg, also of the summer. But late summer, like like hot August summer. This yes. is the summer that's, it's really fall, but it's, you know, who's it fooling? <laughs> yeah, that's you. Thank you again for joining us. It's very kind of you. Think of it as a good deed, your good deed for the day. It counts as community service. I feel like I've said that before. <laughs> <laughs> Not to this, but to many other things, yes. <laughs> your parole agent. He's a very nice guy. Agent, your parole yeah. agent. Did you get that new parole you were up for? Wow. So, Agent of Parole. <laughs> I love that show. She's my favorite spin-off Marvel character. I feel like you're bad-mouthing Agent Carter, and I kind of don't like it. You know she's coming to L.A. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> so this episode's going to be about hot dog, Hot dog. <laughs> and hot dog. Oh, is that where the saying came from? Yeah, it came, actually came from that. Which came first, the hot dog or the bun? <laughs> well, the first hot dog was made, and then they said, what's that thing called? He said, a hot dog. And the boy exclaimed, hot dog. <laughs> Let's first talk about how many hot dogs we ate today. Let's talk about how many hot dogs you ate today. I only had three. I'm not on trial here. <laughs> I had three to your two. That's not that bad. Yeah, that's true. I had three chili dogs, though, and then you were very reasonable with your two hot dogs. Yeah, nothing on it. Bone dry mm-hmm. in a stale bun, just like I like it. Yeah, hardened by the sun. <laughs> just like me. <laughs> Those chain gang years really <laughs> broke you. The hot dog. Summer in a bun. Oh, my God. 
Vacation stuffed in the intestinal lining of an undisclosed animal. According... <laughs> One animal? But how many species are we talking? <laughs> According to the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council... Are we on that council? I feel like we might be. We're the unofficial presidents. <laughs> the high-fiving presidents. According to them, LA is the number one consumer of hot dogs and sausages in the country. I bet. Hmm. According to them, <laughs> in 2014, we consumed over 39 million hot dogs. Really? Yeah. That's much more than the next closest competitors, which are New York and Chicago, of say. course. Yeah. The yeah. council estimated that this year, Dodger fans alone would shove over 3 million of them down their blue bleeding gullets. Why LA? Why LA? Some people say that the warm weather that's always here allows for people to eat outdoors throughout more of the year and what's better to eat outside than a hot dog I ask you it's a very barbecuey thing you know yeah. you have a barbecue there's a couple or dogs boiled or grilled why are you why you spit in my face? <laughs> so we're going to be talking about a few hot dog places of renown around L.A. Yes. The famous few, ones. The famous ones. You know, like uh, Hot Dog Cart Number 4 mm-hmm. outside of Saples Center. There's a hot dog that I got at a movie theater. Yeah, that was very good. The Ikea sells 50 cent hot dogs. You know, yeah. you can get like 14 of them. Yeah, there's that hot dog that I saw in a movie once. Yeah, yeah, that was really good. I've seen the movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah hot really dog, good. the movie. <laughs> so Greg, take it from here. Give me my first tube. First tube? comes from Art's Chili Dog Stand, or as it's now known, Art's World Famous <laughs> Chili Dogs. It's all over the Moscow Times. <laughs> when we were distributing who would cover what hot dogs, uh, I pretty much, I wasn't left with Art's. I was kind of like <laughs> curious about it because I'd never heard about it. it you is... drew the shortest hot dog. <laughs> I think I've had like all the other open ones, all the other hot dog yeah. places that were open. I think I had one except for Art's. So this morning before I recorded, <laughs> I went to go get an Art's Chili Dog. I made the commute out to Compton. Art's is at 1410 West Florence Avenue. It is at the corner of Florence and Normandy. Uh oh. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> oh no. We'll get to that. <laughs> it is next to a Chevron across from a 76 station, which is cat a corner to a AutoZone. Car, 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 hot dog. Yeah, liquor store. Oh, liquor store. Sorry. Car, car, car. Hot dog is next to the gas station. But it's very good, though. Of the ones that we were covering, it might be just maybe just because I went today and I was hungry, that might be my favorite. But it's a very small stand. There's not a lot of room to eat inside, but it's like a pizza there hut. Never is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like a pizza hut. There's no room to eat in a pizza hut. That's what I'm getting yeah, at. Yeah, because they don't want you there. Who wouldn't want their customers there? This isn't about pizza. This isn't about pizza. All right, all right, stand down. <laughs> this isn't about this isn't about pizza. The art in question is Art Elkin, who was born in December 1909 in New York City, New York City, who was a chemical engineer, but he lost his job during the Great Depression, so he moved westward and he came to LA in 1939. He showed up in 1939. About five years later, he opened up his stand, and that was 1944. Just to add some context to our surroundings and also a previous episode, in 1946, Tom Colax of Tommy's fame moved from a small stand of Florence and Maine which is a mile and a half away from where Arts is all set up. And he moved from there to Beverly Rampart, which is now where the original Tommy's is. Do you suspect uh, thievery of ideas? You know, it really did come across my mind a lot. They were a mile and a half apart. Yeah. And then Tommy runs off to the nice part of town. This area in that time must have been like so full of chili experimentation. <laughs> just like, just put it on this. We'll just put it on this. <laughs> the war's over, boys. <laughs> Break out the chili vats. There must have been a brief period where Art and Tom were both experimenting with what Tomain Tommy had put on the menu, which was just yeah. chili. And Tommy's didn't invent the chili burger, no. as you remember. No. Tomain oh, Tommy did. And you remember what Tomain means, right? 
Oh, yeah. Because I have it. Like I said, he opened up his stand in 1944. Uh, this is actually his second spot. He had a spot a couple miles east of his current location. Uh, I think it might have been just a push cart, and then he opened up his shop in 1944. There aren't a lot of interior photos, I suspect, because there's barely any room to photograph effectively. You can't, you can't fit a camera. In <laughs> if you try to put a camera in there, you're just going to be taking a picture of a wall, basically. It's really small. There's some outdoor seating, which is really nice, but inside it's like an L-shaped counter with maybe about five stools. Who are they? Ricky. Tommy, Tommy Colax, <laughs> Mary Pickford, <laughs> Griffith J. Griffith, and all the other recurring characters. Alkin was known for his no-nonsense New Yorker charm, quotations, you can't see me do that. He was tough and very opinionated, but soft at heart. That's what he was known for. <laughs> like a good hot dog. <laughs> now, Art claims to be the first guy to put chili on a hot dog, which I'm very skeptical about, but he says he gives credit to one of his customers who was just saying, why don't you just put some chili on a hot dog? And he the light bulb went off <laughs> and he called the police <laughs> heresy call the police there's a madman around but he claims to be the first one but of course like i'm sure all the hot dog vendors at the time were yeah. saying like, yeah i'm the first chili dog master yeah. and pretty quickly after opening up it takes off and he credits this to three different things one he invented his own steamer which kept all the ingredients at the same temperature Okay. Yeah, see, I don't know how that's affected, but it comes out at the end and it sort of makes sense. But when I come back to that fact, I'm like, oh, what is that? But don't they all do that? I don't know enough about steamers to comment on the matter. No, that's always been your problem. Except I know a lot about Stanley Steamer, but only like business ones. Stanley Steamer, now that's the way. Wait. That's the slogan. He makes carpets cleaner. That's right. I'm thinking of Roto-Rooter. Similar ingredients. Number two. <laughs> His dogs are made of part pig. His hot dogs, in case you're wondering, come from Meadow Farms, which is a local slaughterhouse. And then the dogs have no natural casing, so there's no snap when you bite it. Sometimes I like that. Sometimes that kind of grosses me out. Yeah, we went to Cupid's today together. Yeah, they had a crunch. They had a crunch to it. It has yeah. the, the casing to it. Don't care for it. Yeah, I gave their faces a crunch when I bit into that. <laughs> what is this? I'm not eating a Dorito. I want my $3 back. <laughs> so when you eat you know, Art's hot dog, all these different ingredients blend together and it creates a really unique taste. And I can agree with that. The chili, everyone from when I was reading on forum posts and Yelp reviews was mentioning the chili. It's like, oh, there's nothing special about the dogs. It's all in chili. The chili was like kind of watery, but that's what I liked about it. And it was really sweet. Everything was really soft and warm and it was just really good. It's good for your gums. Yeah, it was very good for my gums. I brushed my teeth with that chili. Not many people know that Greg has no teeth. Yeah, I, this is... 19 uh, episodes in and it's finally coming out. He's gum got very talker. strong lips. I got very strong <laughs> lips and me. gums. Oof, those <laughs> lips. Ladies, he, he's got chili in his tummy. Famous food writer Ruth Reichel said about Arts that it's a Los Angeles chili dog shrine. But what's it a shrine to? The chili dog? Yeah. So who are they sacrificing? <gasps> the menu is really simple. I, I couldn't find an old menu, but I keep writing that hot dogs used to be 10 cents. That and now they're the standard price. Yeah. But now they're almost just as reasonable. Hot dog is $1.95. <laughs> they're almost just as reasonable. $20. Meadow Farms dog. Daniel, please. $20 is giving it you away. You ever been to Meadow Farms? <laughs> oh my God. The sounds of the pigs screaming. Uh, current menu. The hot dog is $1.95. The chili dog is $2.30. Mm. The chili cheese dog is $2.35. Mm. And what else they have in the menu? Fire dogs. Beef dogs, crowd dogs, dog? spicy. Oh. They also have turkey dogs. They also sell chili tamales, which I think is pretty cool, and chili Fritos. Like a Frito pie? No, no, like they open a bag of Fritos and they put chili inside. I think that's a Frito pie. Is it really? I'm not. All my exes live in Texas, so I don't really go there, but I think that's a Frito pie. Are you schooling me right now? I'm confused. Yeah. You're, <laughs> schooling. you're, yeah. you're uh, taking me to uh, class. Ever heard of Tex-Mex? <laughs> <laughs> 
Elkin died in 1990. He was running this shop for about 50 years. He died two years before he saw what Florence and Normandy became famous for. Their chili burgers. Florence and Normandy in 1992 is where the riot started. Reginald and Teddy was pulled out of the truck and beaten uh, in front of helicopter view and everything. So are you saying that if you were to watch the footage? From a certain angle, maybe. I don't know huh. if it's right on the intersection. Probably not. Uh, but it's it's very, not? I mean, Could be. I, I didn't do like a, I didn't walk around with a photo of the beating and like this looks holding like it the, up to yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is this the place? I told my informant where we were going, and he said, I hope no one's getting acquitted today. <laughs> <laughs> Why is there a big chili crave when, when, when people get acquitted? Exactly. There's something in the air that makes me want a chili. Yeah. Racial <laughs> tension. <laughs> Racial tension makes me want chili. The stand is still there today, obviously. It's owned by his children, but it's being run by... Children. But now it's run by a woman named Alice Oldfield, uh, and it's being run pretty well. The end. The end. There's not a lot of information on it, but I was very happy to uh, have my first person encounter there. It's a dark horse contender in the hot dog scene of Los Angeles. Definitely. It feels like most of them are in center points of our, like in tourist, more touristy areas, right? Or did the touristy areas grow around the hot dog? Again, what came first, the hot dog or the bun? (laughs) My first place I'm going to hit on. Oh boy. Hey there. Seductive. Tail of the pup. Oh, I've seen pictures of this. Well, that's all you're going to (laughs) see. Amusement parks and hot dogs. You can't have one without the other. Mother. Oh, mother. Mother. Damn it. (sighs) I messed it up. You've heard of the Beverly Center? Yeah. You yuppie. Oh. Before it was the Beverly Center, it used to be an amusement park called Beverly Park and Playland, Mm -hmm. a.k.a. Kitty Land. Yep. (laughs) Not Kitty Land. Kitty. Like uh, cats. (laughs) (laughs) Not like cats. It wasn't a world of cats. Oh, why not? Everybody. Everybody. Everybody wants to be a kitty. I got that right. <laughs> so this playland, it was opened right there on the corner of Beverly and La Cienega mm-hmm. in 1946 by a man named Dave Bradley, who a few years later went on to advise Walt Disney on the rides he was planning to build in his own park. Really? Kitty land. <laughs> but that'll be for a future episode, uh, God willing. In June of that same year, 1946, a humble hot dog stand opened up across the street at 311 La Cienega, just down the street from Norm's, mm. mind you, which would open up a decade later, only it actually wasn't so humble of a stand. It was quite brash, <laughs> as a matter of fact, because it was shaped like a giant hot dog, mm-hmm. complete with mustard at that. Wiener sticking out on both ends. The nerve. The nerve. In those times, with those people looking... Can't you afford a bigger bun decency there's children across the street that's why we have blue laws <laughs> that's why we have relish it was called the tail of the pup which might have been a play on the tail of the cock restaurant down the road at 44 la cienega which in itself was a play on what they served best cocktails tail of the cock oh yeah that's this isn't another like- blue law nothing like what I was thinking. They claimed to be the fir- the tail of the cock. Tail O the you cock. You love Sorry. saying it. The emphasis on that. On uh, O? Yep. Tail O the cock. <laughs> they they claimed to be the first place in LA <laughs> to serve margaritas. Oh, really? And they were also the place where June Foray met with Jay Warden Bill Scott to hire her to voice Rocky in the Rocky and Bullwinkle cartoons at that restaurant. And they were all drunk on margaritas. <laughs> the first margarita was served <laughs> to June Foray. The what stru- is this? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Now we need a Bullwinkle. The structure itself of the Tale of the Pup became, Tale O the Pup, became an LA icon. It's been seen in movies like Body Double mm-hmm. and 
LA story. It was in the Rockford Files and also in Adam 12. Oh, Adam 12. The TV show that inspired Rafael Perez to come to LA to be a cop and make <laughs> this city a little bit safer. It was designed by Milton Black, who went to the famous Jefferson High School really? in South Central. The hot dog was 17 feet long and made out of stucco and chicken wire, which is delicious when you grill it. The hot dog was just the front and attached behind it was just, it was just a regular kitchen. Yeah. It was originally designed in 1938 and was a great example of what is called programmatic architecture. Mm-hmm. And that's when a building is designed to look like what it sells, like Randy's Donuts yeah. or what it's named after, like the Brown Derby. Or, as I call this style, big ridiculousness. (laughs) Uh, It's also called mimetic architecture, as in it mimics. Oh, okay. It was a style in response to the growing car culture of L.A. and the need to grab attention of cars driving by and was a precursor to... Googie. James M. Kane, who wrote Double Indemnity and The Postman Always Rings Twice, he wrote an article about Los Angeles, like a 12-page, basically like angry letter before there was YouTube. And one of his biggest problems with Los Angeles is that there are these mimetic shops <laughs> that are like, what kind of place is a pyramid, but it sells like... It sells like mummies. It's, it's a pyramid, but it sells like photography equipment or something like that. Like, nothing makes sense around here. Now, a hot dog that sells hot dogs, I can understand. <laughs> the original owners of Tale O the Pup yes. were a world famous ballroom dance team from the 30s and 40s called Velos and Yolanda. (laughs) I don't know which one's the male and which one's the female. (laughs) Yolando. (laughs) They'd been in a few movies, including The Pride of the Yankees, but apparently they wanted to invest their money in something more stable than show business. And of course, what's more reliable than a hot dog? So since Velos and Yolanda were such celebrities, the grand opening took place with a lot of fanfare, complete with searchlights and everything. They called their hot dogs pups and they did good business since they were so close to Beverly Park all the right. little kids I want a hot dog I want a hot dog I want a hot dog I threw up my hot dog I want another hot dog <laughs> Velos and Yolanda sold the pup to a man named Eddie Blake in 1971 unfortunately Beverly Park closed down in 1974 mm-hmm. so they're still doing fine until in 1982 the Beverly Center was yeah. built and that made things hard for the pup <laughs> the land around there got expensive with the brand new mall and in 1985 the pup had to vacate the premises it had occupied for almost 40 years at that point to make way for the luxury Sofitel Hotel which is there today so if you want to squirt some mustard on it it's a stray pup call the pound <laughs> we got a Straight pup. The giant hot dog. After they Go got, after they got boot, after you they had got, me a giant hot dog. <laughs> after they got booted out, the giant hot dog spent a year in a wrecking yard in Alhambra before it found a new location, very close by the old one at 329 San Vicente Boulevard. This grand reopening had just as big a fanfare as the first time around, complete mm-hmm. with Jay Leno as host of the ceremony. Who? I think he used to work for Conan. Okay, okay. Yeah. I, I think I know the guy you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. So they managed to keep on churning out pups here for a while until they were forced out once again to make room for a gay and lesbian retirement home in 2005. <laughs> it's a puppy butt world, right? <laughs> gay and lesbian retirement home? Yeah. That's What, crazy. they can't have their retirement homes? It was just an, I've never heard those words put together. <laughs> what, gay and lesbian? After this was when the dark days that we now live in began. The giant hot dog was moved to a mysterious storage unit in Torrance, presumably next to the Ark of the Covenant. And the the address is actually 19106 Normandy. If for some reason you want to go there, uh, you freak. Where it actually still is. That's where it is. There were talks shortly after they got bumped into storage of relocating into Westwood at Mm -hmm. Weyburn and Broxton, right where those twin theaters are. Oh, yeah, yeah. But the Blakes didn't want to sign as long a contract as they were offering, so the deal fell apart. On the plus side, the city named the giant hot dog a cultural landmark Ah. in 2006. So the story seems to be over until February 3rd, 20. 
2014. Oh, no. The giant hot dog is spotted going north on the 405. <gasps> it's making a break for it. Get a leash on that cup. It was heading towards Las Vegas, where it was going to be restored to all of its original glory, Ooh. making that yellow mustard into spicy mustard. It seemed to be good news, and there were even rumors that the pup was finally going to find its new home later that year at the Grove, but in the end, the deal didn't work out. So now the Blakes say that the pup will come back once they find the right place for it, and late in 2014, the Blake family announced that the giant hot dog itself and their secret recipes were for sale, so maybe someday in the future, a giant hot dog might be sighted on a 405 near you, if you're lucky. For now, the pup rests deep in the mysterious storage units of Torrance. Oh. Nothing comes out of Torrance. Nothing. (laughs) Except Quentin Tarantino. (laughs) So that's one hot dog apiece. Let's see how many we can fit in before we throw up. My next one, you probably have... uh, Oh, I can't have another. Please, Greg. You have to shovel one more down. All right. One more. This one isn't... it. This one isn't like the rest of them. Because it's got hot dog in the title, but it's not quite a hot dog. Hot dog on a stick. (gasps) Stick. I don't know if you know this. If you did the math, hot dog on a stick. Actually, a corn dog. Yeah. Okay. Common knowledge. The original hot dog and a stick, the address for that is the Pacific Ocean. Just go looking for it in every mall you've ever been to. Actually, the original address is 1633 Ocean Front Walk. It's facing the beach. It's on the walk. It's like steps away from Santa Monica Pier. Yeah. Hot dog and a stick does not serve hot dogs, but they do yeah. fry up a mean hot dog and a stick. <laughs> Corn dog, the ugly cousin of a hot dog. Yeah, hot dog with syphilis. <laughs> I don't know if you're a fan. I do like hot dog and a stick a lot. I also, I've only had it once. I had it with you because they were having like free hot dog and a stick day, so you pulled me out of bed. And, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was a good day, wasn't it? That was a great day. Yeah, have you had a cheese dog on a stick? Because those are good yeah, too. It's gross. It's the fried batter with cheese and a stick and it's melted cheese. Like a na- it's like nachos on a stick. Greg, please go on. Don't get me started on lemonade either, because that lemonade's good. <laughs> Got a little honey in it. Yeah, I like that. Hot dog on a stick opened up in 1946. On so that's the same. Yeah, we're all in the same period. It's a good year for hot dogs. Yeah, it's a good year for everything. Upward or mobility. Yeah. <laughs> a hot dog started in a bun. Now it's on a stick. What's next? <laughs> like I said, it opened up right there on Muscle Beach, which is really close to Santa Monica Pier. Muscle Beach. Muscle Beach. Yeah. Santa muscle Monica. Beach is in Venice. Yeah, I guess they had their own Muscle Beach. There is an area on that walk where people work out. It has those Olympic rings that you grab. All right. You know what I'm talking about? No, I've never been to the Olympics. Sorry. You didn't go to Russia in the 80s? <laughs> I was disqualified. And I think you remember very well what happened. I just like to talk about it. Yeah, you hired a guy to come smash my shins while I was <laughs> ice skating. <laughs> Why? <laughs> its creator was a man from Dexter, Missouri named David Barham. He was born in June of 1913. The following is uncredited, so I feel uncomfortable saying, but I'm going to say anyways. Perfect. Mr. Magoo. <laughs> <laughs> Barham frequented as a child. He'd go a lot to St. Louis and Chicago as a kid, and he was really upset that there was no corn dog chains. Now they have hot dog chains, they had hamburger chains, but they didn't have a lot of corn dog chains. And one of his favorite treats was a corn dog. Why don't they have a corn dog chain? During the Depression, he moved to Detroit, where he had dreams of one day being the head of General Motors. Ask what a how. yeah, what a great time to move <laughs> to Detroit. Big dreams, this guy. So when that fell through, he moved west, pretty much with the intention of him and his wife just lying around the beach all day, which was all they really Muscle wanted. Muscle Beach. Muscle Beach it was when he got there. This was 1939 when he got here, around the same time that Art also got to around to Florence and Normandy in that area, started making chili dogs. He got a job testing radar equipment at Lockheed, but he spent all his spare time at Muscles Beach because he was kind (laughs) of a health nut, which is really weird because a health nut who went on to sell tasty Uh, fattening treats to everybody. The exact opposite of a health nut. Uh, He eventually, hanging around Muscle Beach, started noticing small concession stands selling uh, ice creams and uh, lemonades and stuff. So he's like, oh, what's it take for a guy like me to do that? So he borrowed $400 from his brother and he opened up his own stand, Party Puffs. (laughs) 
uh, which was selling ice cream cones and lemonades, which is what most people had. And then eventually he was trying to notice what, you know, how, how he can fit other items into people's hands. So he took his mom's cornbread recipe and used it as a batter to make his patented hot dogs and a stick. Because, you know, you can walk around, you could stroll around the pier with a yeah. hot dog and a stick. It's like a popsicle. It's like a dinnertime popsicle. Yeah, it's like a dinnertime popsicle. Like, you gotta eat your supper before you have dessert. Nah, I can have both at the same time. Yeah, so why not? Like corn dog on one end of the stick, a creamsicle on the other. The benefits. Here I come, muscle peach. <laughs> <laughs> Get ready for my rolls. I read an article. He was mentioning the benefits of having a hot dog on a stick, particularly it being on a stick. I'm curious. Here's the benefits of a stick. Yeah. It acted as a handy handle, yeah. providing hickory smoke flavoring, and could also be used as a toothpick after consumption. If you have teeth like an ogre, sure, with giant gaps in between. <laughs> Them, let's sound. not make fun of people with big gaps in their teeth, please. <laughs> let's not make fun of ogres. Come please. on. We don't want to get a bunch of emails. We don't get one email. <laughs> what an ogre. So right away, it was a hit. As the stand started to get popular, he began to expand in 1948. About two years after opening, Barham took his hot dogs on the stick to a county fair, or several county fairs, actually. He hooked up a portable hot dog stand to the back of his Lincoln Continental and started traveling county fairs with it, and it was starting to get really popular. The fair is also where he perfected his lemonade. Do you think he started the tradition of having fried things at a county fair? He might have been yeah i mean it's the f- what it's 1948 it's time to experiment you know who knows go wild <laughs> fry what you want fry what you want throw chili on everything yeah. let's see what's gonna happen in the 50s uh-oh korean war incoming <laughs> bring back all the fried stuff we're gonna need to turn that into bullets <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna have to ration your cornbread <laughs> the war's on turn all that chili into bullets the company kept growing for the next like 20 years in 1973 he opened the first hot dog and a stick in a regional mall in salt lake city utah that must have been a treat for the mormons it's about all they can eat, <laughs> given what their religious limitations. Thou shalt not consume lest it be on a stick. That's John F. Kennedy as God. <laughs> he put hot dogs in a stick in a mall before there was even really a food court, which is pretty interesting. Huh. I didn't. Where did they go? In the H&M? Yeah, he had one in the Forever 21. Uh, actually, before there were dressing rooms, he would open a door and it would be a different <laughs> He'd stand. Be standing there. <laughs> He'd be standing there with different Hot food. dog on a stick? <laughs> Lemonade's about three doors down. <laughs> Around the corner? <laughs> Stupid idiot. Around this- milk, milk, and then... <laughs> God, I don't like you. Around this time, he also began experimenting with the look of his employees. At what? first... Okay. Uniforms. Oh, all right. Stupid idiot. Okay. This was about he took to them get all very the beach. <laughs> First, there was an ethnic cleansing. <laughs> and then the squats came. Squats, squats, squats. Stop. I'm squats grouping. <laughs> so at first he... uh squatso. Squatsies. <laughs> oh, that's why we get emails. That's why people look at us strange when we talk. At first he began... I saw a picture of what they looked like in the early 80s. They had like white berets and these smocks with colorful polka dots. They look like a sloppy paint job or they just went paintballing for the first time. Uh, it sounds like a French cook who's lost his mind. <laughs> Play-Doh? <laughs> I hear there was also talk at some point of like straw hats and knee-length shorts, which just oh, sounds no. farmerish to yeah. me. That's uh, Farmer John territory. That, certainly. He finally perfected, in quotes, the look. And for the record, you know, I'm a big fan of this look. I think it's goofy and neat. Ooh, what? It's neato. <laughs> the uh, red, white, and yellow striped go-go dancer look. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's funny to me. With the little toy boy. With the, exactly. <laughs> it was inspired by the whimsical mid-60s hot pants and jockey cap trends that was going around. Now, according to Ask... I, I can't wait for that to come back. Oh, around. any day now. There's, oh, here it is. <laughs> Get those hot pants on. The employees say that the hats, which are handmade and customized to fit each new employee, make their jobs fun. 
many former employees would like to disagree with that. <laughs> I found a blog posting online of people saying that they, when they wore their outfits, they had to surrender all identity and live in eight hours of shame. One poster wrote, I sometimes have to remind myself that I actually chose this job. <laughs> so it's it's not a hit if you have to wear it, but if you get an order from that, these kind of people, it's, it's a treat. <laughs> the uniforms, I knew you were going to ask, are also not for sale or oh, rent. Oh, come on. But I can't it, even rent it for my wedding. You can't rent it for your wedding. But if you want one of these, the Glendale location is hiring. <laughs> the company kept growing and expanding, and by 1984, it had 24 stores in nine states, including non-contiguous states like Hawaii and Alaska. Now there is something like, I want to say like 105 stores. In 2001, the company opened its first airport location mm-hmm. in Caracas. Uno eliminate, por favor, rápido. That's uh, their motto. That is their motto. Barham died and actually, he actually died in 1991. He just missed the riots also. It's too bad. And as his final act of He made the franchise 100% employee-owned, led by a management team that he mentored over the years. It's the country's only 100% employee-owned and operated fast food chain. I don't understand. What does that mean? I think it means that all the employees get a say in how things are run. Huh. I believe there's no real management. I think it's it's a horizontal... What's that? Democracy on a stick. You know, we didn't have enough letters to spell all that out. We had an H, no, and an T. Just spare. call it hot dog. <laughs> they'll, they'll know what we mean. In 1999, Muscle Beach Lemonade was branded, which you might know it has. Sometimes it has its own store. It has its own logo on the side of cups. Never seen that before. Oh, you've only gone once, so yeah. Muscle Beach yeah, Lemonade is something I, that they patented. You know, I and I frequent Muscle Beach. Yeah, but I've not, I've heard of Muscle Milk which is what I produce, but I've never seen this. You're actually holding me in your arms right now yeah. as I record. You're, I'm milking you. <laughs> <laughs> so how did this 100% employee-owned operation turn out? The employee-run company in February of 2014 had to file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Good <laughs> oh, job, employees. No. They've been trying to restructure the way business has run things, but to little avail. <laughs> They're closing many locations, oh, and no. the company is blaming... Instead of hot dogs, can we just, like, text instead? <laughs> I got an idea. Why don't I play Xbox all day in front of everybody and make them pay like 4.75. The company blames the bankruptcy and the decline of foot traffic in malls now that people are starting mm. to shop online a lot more. That's a convenient excuse. Mm. Yeah, it's not that we don't like corn dogs anymore. Yeah. <laughs> They're not cool. They're, <laughs> They're not just sexy not. like a chili dog. Just slopped with meat and dripping all over my hands. <laughs> corn dogs, you conformist. What are you hiding from? What are you hiding under that? Take that jacket off, baby. <laughs> it's summer. Later that year, the franchise was purchased for $12.2 million by, get this, Global Franchise Group. Wow. <laughs> that name's so sexy. The honor. <laughs> There's still plenty of hot dogs in the stick to go around. There's n- not been a you know huge drastic change to the menu or the outfits. So go pick one up today. They're ready for you. I'm glad with all this upheaval, the outfits have stayed steady. The one thing the employees hate most. Yeah, don't wear that hoodie. It's going to dishonor Barham, please. You keep that go-go <laughs> outfit on. What's more comfortable for frying up corn than <laughs> hot pants? When I eat a hot dog, I like to wear hot pants and I like to make eye contact with people. Oh, yeah. The original location, uh, I've never been there. I've seen the original one, mm-hmm. and I thought sh- that can't like it doesn't because it doesn't really look the yeah, same as the, the other thing, ones. Yeah. And I keep thinking like they're stealing the ones in the mall. <laughs> <laughs> this is like a Tommy's Tom situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 a little red shack that must be really hot in the summertime, oh especially with the fryers going. It's right there on the pier. Well, not it's not on the pier. It's next to the pier. It's, it's yeah, next it's, to Muscle Beach. Yeah, it's almost under the pier. <laughs> it's very close to it. Yeah. Where all the homeless people are kissing. Eating pigeons. <laughs> I'm not going to let that joke Those are go. hot dogs on a stick, <laughs> Their menu is very small, so I have no anxiety. You get, yeah, you won't get confused. Yeah, but it's a nice little treat. And I, could, I can see the appeal of walking around with a corn dog and a little like boat full of ketchup and mustard. It's, yeah. It, it reminds me of a childhood I never had. It reminds <laughs> me of a childhood I'm told I should miss. <laughs> All right, so mine, my next one. Yes. It's 
kind of the my rival to your hot dog on a stick. It's the corporate one of the of the three of them. Oh, I'm very curious about this. Der Wiener Schnitzel. The Joymans. <laughs> you know it. You've probably never have it. There's urban legends that it's owned by the mafia. <laughs> Der Wiener Schnitzel. Oh my God, you're right. It all began with a man named John Gallardi, born March 4th, 1938, in Kansas City, Missouri. As a teen, his family moved out to California where Gallardi went on to attend Pasadena Junior College. This is a very weird story. When one day he saw a man hosing down the parking lot of a Mexican restaurant near campus called Taco Tia. Mm -hmm. That's my aunt the taco. (laughs) I love that show, my aunt the taco. (laughs) So Gallardi went up to this man. Gallardi? Gallardi went up to this man (laughs) and asked for a job. This man was Glenn Bell Jr. And this and his other restaurants of the same name, Taco Tia, would later change into a new sort of Mexican place that took the name of its owner, Taco Bell. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, but that's a story for another podcast as well. So where did the bell come from? Oh, you know the one in Philadelphia? Oh, it didn't come from Bell Gardens? No, he flipped over the one from Philadelphia <laughs> and made a bunch of chili in it. That's not in Taco Bell. Does Taco Bell have chili? <laughs> We've discussed that tacos are the Mexican equivalent of hot dogs. Yeah, we have mentioned yeah. that, haven't we? Tilt your head, yeah. handheld, a lot of sloppy stuff on it. It is uh, also symbolically like genitalia. That's going to be edited. <laughs> Gallardi was making hot sauce at Taco Tia for 50 cents an hour, oh. but he loved it for some reason. So he dropped out of college to work more <laughs> at Taco Tia. Can I, can I interrupt you real quick? Mm-hmm. These are men's dreams. Isn't that weird? That like, I, God, if everything turns out, oh, oh, everything turns out right, I will be selling hot dogs <laughs> to strangers. I wish I had dropped out of college. <laughs> That's the only dream you have. My dream is to drop out of college, even though I'm graduated. I'm going to enroll just to do it. So he was working now a lot at Taco Tia. Eventually, he worked his way up to manager, and then he bought a Taco Tia of his own. Mm-hmm. So when he was 23, he got an offer to buy a building in Wilmington to open up a restaurant. But the problem was, it was next door to another one of Bell's taco places. Uh-oh. Taco Bell, you might call <laughs> it. Taco Bell's. If you, have, you know, if, if you have the call, to call it that. So he talked to Bell. He Taco Bell about it. <laughs> And, he belled him. And Bell said that he'd be fine with him opening up a place next door to one of his as long as he wasn't selling tacos. Oh so Gallardi looked around at his competitors. McDonald's was selling hamburgers. Bell was selling tacos. That just leaves one other possible thing people could eat. Slow roast steak. God damn it. <laughs> so nobody was really selling just hot dogs other than the places we were already talking yes. about. So that was it. He'd go with hot dogs. But what about a name? What, what would you even call us? Something like that. Hot dogs know. for sale? Well... Yeah, hot dogs for sale. Tale of the hot dog? I don't know. He didn't want to call it John's Hot Dogs. So he was at the Bell residence one day discussing it with his mentor when Bell's wife opened up a cookbook to get ideas and she came across a recipe for an Austrian breaded cutlet dish called a Wiener Schnitzel. Mm-hmm. Nothing to do with the hot dog. She said, why don't you call it Der Wiener Schnitzel? Gallardi said, that's stupid. And that's a <laughs> stupid idea of yours. <laughs> but a few days later, he was driving down the road and he realized that he must have passed by dozens of businesses, but he could couldn't remember the name of a single one of them. Yeah. So he started thinking, if a place had a name like Der Wiener Schnitzel, someone passing by would see it and think, what the hell is that? Yes. And then, then maybe after two or three times of that, then you have that person's attention. Ah. So on July 3rd... You sneak the idea in, you get in their subconscious. Yeah. I like that. A little, like a little inception going on, you know? You just plant the idea in there, the mystery. Mm-hmm. Get a hot dog. 
That made less sense than Inception. So on July 3rd, Der Funds since 61, Der Wiener Schnitzel opened up at 1362 Gulf Avenue along the PCH. Mm-hmm. The place was colored in red and yellow for ketchup and mustard, ah. as most of its locations still are today. The original had a flat roof, but the signature of the future locations became the big A-frame buildings. Is that Googie? No. Okay. That's just a letter. They had three kinds of hot dogs, chili, mustard, or kraut. They loved to throw that word around. <laughs> it was still a hot buzzword in the 61. <laughs> so he served chili because he learned from making hot sauce at Taco Tia's for all those years that people liked a sauce on their food. Yeah. Apparently a song was made of that same title, chili, mustard, kraut, but I couldn't find it anywhere. Oh boy. So we're going to have to record it. Hot dogs were 15 cents, chili dogs were 30 cents, drinks were 10 cents. People thought he was crazy for selling at such low prices. Gallardi, he wanted to sell french fries, but people told him nobody wants to eat french fries with a hot dog. So for a while, he sold cups of baked beans with the hot dogs, and nobody was buying. Oh, no. <laughs> so that with tra- my hands? What are you, pig? <laughs> he tried fries anyway, and it was a big hit, of course. Yeah, he's stupid. He's stupid or ugly. He would fry onions outside of the restaurant to uh. draw people in, which is a tactic still used today by the bacon-wrapped 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 hot dog carts Rack around and town. bacon. The company's logo was designed by Saul Bass. I yeah, know that name. It sounds kind of familiar. The man, he also did the logo for AT&T and Quaker Oats in addition to a lot of movie work such uh-huh. as designing the title sequences for movies like Psycho, oh, wow. North by Northwest, West Side Story, Goodfellas, Big, and many other movies that you've actually heard of. The first few locations even had a fire pit outside to hang out in front of. The problem was though was that there was too much hanging out going on. Oh, we don't no. want that. Loitering. Uh, Arrest these men. The original location had three parking spaces, but teenagers would start to congregate there in their car clubs. Oh. Where they'd get drunk and they'd fight each other. Yeah. And Gallardi said one time he went into the parking lot and found a hundred drunk teenagers just lounging around. So to try to thin out the crowds and to get people out of the parking lot, he put a drive through right through the middle of the building and the sales went even higher. Yeah. And this was one of the first fast food places to use a drive through. Really? So apparently Gallardi worked very hard for years. All he had time to eat was two or three hot dogs a day, every day, seven days a week. The dream. After 12 locations had opened up, Gallardi started franchising, and by 1968, there were 200 locations. He turned down a $20 million offer to sell the company. In the early 70s, the economy died, and Wiener Schnitzel was hit hard, and they got themselves into $8.5 million in debt. But they managed to pretty much bounce back. In 1977, they dropped the Dürr from their title, as it wasn't even a real German word but they still continue to use it in their marketing for some reason. I hear my informant uses that word all the time. Yeah, say, old people say Der yeah, Wiener Schnitzel. Schnitzel yeah, yeah cuz they're yeah, they're dumb. They don't <laughs> follow the trends in marketing. They're the world's largest hot dog chain with 322 locations in the US and Guam as I counted on their website and they sell over 100 million hot dogs a year. Wow. They're mildly famous for their old commercials of a hot dog always running away from people trying to eat him and the antenna toppers to represent his plight. <laughs> <laughs> The Gallardi Group, they also own Tasty Freeze. Oh, really? Yeah, sucking down chili dogs. As for <laughs> Gallardi himself, he died in April 2013 of pancreatic cancer. Oh, poor guy. And he was secretive about his chili recipe to the very end. Good for him. On December 3rd, 2013, the LA City Council made the original Wiener Schnitzel an historical cultural monument, becoming just the second active food stand in the city to receive this status. The first one, the Munchbox in Chatsworth. Not the one that we passed. There's 
something on uh, Devonshire, I think, going towards in Chatsworth that I'm like, oh, have you heard of this place? And you're like, yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah, that is what I'm talking about. That's the place? <laughs> well, I've never been there, but I've seen pictures and their chili looks like, you know, chili, so I'm scared. <laughs> their chili looks like Texas Chili Massacre. I'm going to be talking about a place that you and I have frequented mm-hmm. recently, and it is my counterpart to your tale of the pup. Novelty. 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 I will be talking about Carney's Restaurant on the <laughs> Sunset <laughs> Strip. <laughs> 8351 Sunset Boulevard, right there. I'd give you a cross street, but it's on a train car, so I'm pretty sure you know what I'm talking about. It's on the intersection of North and South. (laughs) It is housed out of a 1920s Pacific Railroad passenger car, Mm -hmm. so you are not going to miss it. You can't miss this train. Can you say choo-choo? Chew like you're chewing food. I can't really. You get what I mean, right? (laughs) The conductor of Carney's is a man named Mr. John Wolf and his wife, Pat. John went to USC. He served in the Navy in World War II. Upon returning, he got into radio, where he eventually became a radio advertising executive. In the 60s, he helped to create and market one of our local radio stations, KISS FM. Really? Yeah. Uh, Is he Ryan Seacrest? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh, yeah. That's him. Oh, that's cute. Wolf had a knack for the radio business, but he wanted to be a disc jockey, and that didn't really quite work out for him, so he followed his true dream in 1973, opening up a food establishment and a railroad car, which, funny enough, does sound like someone trying to describe a dream. All of these people who are, like, pretty much in show business, yeah. like, nah, I'm going to use my backup plan of opening up the most <laughs> ridiculous food restaurant I can. I just love making hot dogs, you know? I just, nothing boiling else matters. Them, steaming them, putting them in a bun. Them. <laughs> I just really want to get into condiments, you know? So he opened up in 1975 on the Sunset Strip. He carted an old Pullman car on a convoy of trucks up Sunset to the Strip and set up train. Pullman car, by the way, which we talked about in the Central Avenue. Oh, yes, that's right. I didn't note that. You're much smarter than I am. Thank you. Is that what you want to hear? Yes, that's why I said it. Go on. (laughs) When asked in an interview why he wanted to serve food out of a train car, he gave two answers. The first one being that he's, you know, a radio ad man. He knew how important it was to create a lasting impression. It's kind of gimmicky. He can admit that. Yeah. The second one was just in case he lost the lease on it, he could just pick up and simply (laughs) ride to the next location. All I have to do is lay tracks. I'm going to need a thousand Chinamen. I got the idea from gypsies. I have yet to speak of their hot dogs. Well, first, their menus are really broad, so that's really good. I've always really liked that about going to Carney's. On top of burgers and dogs, you could also get yourself a tuna melt sandwich, a soft taco, a Thai chicken wrap, a cheese quesadilla, a frozen chocolate dipped banana, or a house white wine. Carney's has a big menu. Really? They have white wine there? House white wine. They also have beer. I can see beer, but white wine? Come on. What do you think I am? Sunset Strip? Oh. (laughs) Still not talking about hot dogs. The dogs are very good. They're not plump enough for me, right? Nothing is. Uh, He edited out me smacking him in the mouth. (laughs) And me saying I'm still not plump enough, no matter how much you hit me. (laughs) I'm trying to make his lip plump. The chili dogs are fantastic, so I guess what I'm really saying is the chili is really good at Carney's. Mm -hmm. I mean, the dogs are really good. Chili saves the day. The Carney's dog comes with chili and also mustard, tomato, and onions. They got the New Yorker dog, which is spicy. The dog is split and grilled with grilled sauerkraut, chili peppers, and grilled onions. The Chicagoian has, you have your choices, spicy yellow or brown mustard, relish, and onions. And the Red Baron is red cabbage and mustard. Uh, gross. Healthy. Ew. I love the spicy one. You do? The New Yorker? Yeah. I, bet. I also had the chili burger there, which is really good. Wrong place, buddy. Wrong time. I guess I'll save that for uh, another episode. <laughs> save that for when we re-record our other episodes. <laughs> a lot of reviews I read online, a lot of people agree that the spicy Polish sausage is probably about the best thing you can get there. You can add cheese and coleslaw to any dog, and they recommend that you do that. Dogs are about 3 to $5, which is pretty affordable, right? No. 
Okay. They, they don't take EBT, okay? <laughs> then I'm not EAT in there. <laughs> in the 80s, the restaurant was pretty successful, so they opened up two more locations, one in Studio City, which is yeah. still there, the other one in Glendale, which closed, I think, in like 1995. Where did he get these trains from? He went back in time and pulled trains from the 20s. Was that hard to do? I guess not if you're a hot dog maven. <laughs> Have you been to Travel Town before? They're <laughs> yeah. just sitting there. It breaks in at night. <laughs> you caught me, but we need another location. <laughs> and in the back of his truck is just all these hot dogs. What am I going to do with all these? Open the caboose. <laughs> Some more stories about carnies I found interesting. In the 90s, there was a real problem with a tough gang known as the acronym RUBS or RUBBIES. R-U-B. They sound really tough. Yeah. R-U-B is an acronym for rich urban bikers. Mm. The kind of upper middle class white dudes who roam safely around Studio City. <laughs> and if they aren't adhering to safe motorcycle riding, then they're following all the correct traffic regulations. <laughs> These rubbies were getting too comfy at Carney's. And eventually the police had to crack down or else the neighbors at Carney's would never get any sleep, you know? So poor guys had to go all the way to Calabasas to get their weekly meetings. Wolf passed away in 1992. And now his two sons... Oh my god, your guys, 90, 91, 92. Yeah, they all went. They all died around the same time because, you know, hot dog evolution had stopped around that point. They had nothing else to live for. <laughs> yeah, what do we have to live for? Now, I call 91. Damn it! His two sons, the Wolf Brothers, now own it, which oh, sounds no. really cool. Wolf's traveling packs. <laughs> Carney's is still a very popular tourist stop, not only for its gimmicky restaurant. It serves out of where Laura Palmer was killed, but also because the dogs in the menu is really good. So it's it's always in every, like, must-come-to-L.A. thing, yeah. Carney's is on the list. It's the most fun-shaped place you're going to eat in L.A. Yeah, I can't think of another one, really. Randy's. There's yeah, but you don't sit in the donut when you're eating at Randy's. Oh, you don't? Then you haven't eaten at Randy's. <laughs> Just swoosh, swoosh. <laughs> Yeah, that's Carney's. We should go right now. We would go right now. Only there's one other contender for oh your attention. Oh my god, you cannot stop talking. This is the big dog. Oh no, I forgot who you picked. This is the hot dog of LA's hot dog underworld. Hot dog king. There's the king and then there's the emperor. <laughs> Who are we talking about? Lay it on me. Pink's. Oh, Pinks, that's right. Yeah, you know, the most famous hot dog place <laughs> in LA. So aside from probably Wiener Schnitzel and Hot Dog on a Stick, it's definitely the most well-known hot dog place yes. in town. So the story starts with a couple named Paul and Betty Pink. Paul Pink, originally Pinkowitz. Oh, that's a yeah, cool name. Was from Minneapolis, but came to LA in the early 1920s and ended up going to Fairfax High School. Oh, cool. Betty came to LA also in the 20s straight from Russia, where she had been a concert violin and piano player, and was uh, she was an actor in Yiddish theater. Oh, cool. Again, showbiz people, but what I really want to do is move to America. <laughs> <laughs> they eventually met, and they ended up getting married to each other in 1931. <laughs> Paul was working as an accountant when in 1939, Betty saw an ad in the Citizen News for a hot dog cart. Everything's happening around the same time. Yeah, I know. It was an evolutionary inevitability that hot dogs would happen in the around World War II. <laughs> I'm going to say jazz has something to do with it. I don't know what it is, but it has something to do with it. <laughs> she saw an ad in the Citizen News for a hot dog cart, and for the same, she thought it was a good idea. She thought yeah. it was a good business to get into. So with a $50 loan from Paul's mommy, the couple purchased the cart. Now they needed a provider, so they found one in the Hoffman family who owned the LA-based Hoffman Brothers Packing Company and created the Hoffy brand of hot dogs. I was gonna ask. Yeah, which they Pink still serves to this day. It's an LA-based thing, all of it. Yeah. So with the hot dog cart armed and fully 
operational. The, the Pinks set up cart at the same plot of land as they are now on today at 709 La Brea. Hot dogs were 10 cents each. Drinks were a nickel. Betty created there, yet again, as everybody has, their secret chili recipe. Uh-huh. They were proud then, as they are today, of the nice snap of their hot dogs, which some people find gross. I think it's disgusting. Bake. Breaking a bone. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I like that. If you're not crunching through something, <laughs> you're not eating, man. They couldn't afford electricity, so at night they sold hot dogs by candlelight. That's so romantic. Paul mostly ran the cart while Betty ran a flower shop next door to try to raise money to Isn't expand their hot dog business and it worked. Is it still there? I don't know. Yeah, what is there on the corner of Mount Rose and La Brea? Is it a flower shop next to a Pink's? It might be a flower shop. It worked. You did it, Betty. You did it. So in 1941, the landlord of the land that they were on raised their monthly rent from $15 to $25. The, the, the audacity. Yeah, in response to this offensive outrage, they bought the land for $4,000. Oh my god. <laughs> we'll one up you. Later that year, they put up a structure slightly better than a push cart, and in 1946, the structure that is now there today opened up. So they still couldn't afford electricity, so in the beginning, they were plugged into a neighbor's electric socket 100 yards away. Whether or not those neighbors were aware of it, I have no idea. Sorry, the neighbor's cat walked on the cord. You might get food poisoning. Since Pink's is right in Hollywood and it's so close to the studios, it became a celebrity hotspot. You'll see tons of actors' pictures on the walls that have eaten there. Bruce Willis proposed to Demi Moore in front of Pink's, and that worked out beautifully. <laughs> Lots of their hot dogs are named after celebrities and places around LA. Yeah. The most notable celebrity to eat there is a Mr. Orson Welles. Oh, boy. He is said to have visited Pink's at least once every week, always eating between 12 and 15 hot dogs. His record in one sitting is 18 hot dogs. <sighs> Wellesy. What's wrong Wells, with you? Wells, Wells, Wells. We need to sit down and talk to him because that's scary. <laughs> yeah. We got to dig him up and sit him down. And I'm going to beat his record tonight. <laughs> and later that year, Greg directed Citizen Kane again. <laughs> They're a very successful hot dog business and they would have many offers to become a chain over the years, yeah. but the Pinks would always turn them down because they felt it would just be too much of a headache. Yeah. Betty Pink died in 1994. Look at very that. Very close. And Paul Pink died in 1996 after having a heart attack in Pinks. Oh my God. God. Yeah. So you're eating in, you know, dead man air. They're still being run by the Pink family, but the slightly younger generation is less averse to expanding. And once the place started getting featured on a lot of food and travel shows, a lot of new offers started coming in. So as a result, there's now locations in places like Las Vegas and City Walk, the Miami Sea Aquarium, the Sea Life Park in Waimanalo in Hawaii. There was even a location at Knott's Berry Farm for five years up until 2014. They got booted out. Charlie uh, the Brown. Reason Charlie, Charlie Brown became a vegetarian. <laughs> so earlier this year, the location, the original location celebrated its 75th birthday uh-huh. with 75 cent chili dogs. Oh, cool. They serve around 2,000 hot dogs a day and go through over 53,000 pounds of hot dogs a year. They claim they can get your order, make it, and have it in your hand within 30 seconds. Explain the lines you, to me then. You just... <laughs> it's all for show. They're all actors. Yeah. They're hired. It's all Bruce Willis. They're open until 2 a.m. every weekday, 3 on the weekends. Fortunately, the Pinks were smart enough to buy their land 70 some years ago, so Pinks will not be going anywhere anytime soon. Fantastic. How do you feel about Pinks? I have never had Pinks, I'm ashamed to say. Wow, you've never had Pinks. I know. I've had it twice. That's kind of what I hear. Yeah. When I was really young and my dad worked near there, we drove down there, we passed by Pinks, and there was no line. He's like, there's no line. Do you want to try Pinks? But it was like... 10 in the morning so I was like eh no I'll go another time and every other time four hour line you have to line up on the 405 that's embarrassing I wouldn't even I I, I wouldn't want to be recorded here you know saying that let's delete 
that. <laughs> okay, I think I got it. Okay, good. I actually have some uh, hot dog of today news. This Go- just in. <laughs> it's going to be a regular segment. <laughs> I was reading something today, actually, that said that the hot dogs never got the same acclaim that hamburgers did mm-hmm. because a hamburger, you can kind of feel like you can see what it's made out of. Yeah. But with a hot dog, it's it. what a hot dog's made out of is covered up with this like sleek tubing yeah. so you can't see through it and you have no idea what's in there. So it's kind of looked down upon yeah. still. But hot dogs, they had a resurgence during the recession because it was a cheap and filling food. So yeah. right now they're very popular and they're being given the gourmet treatment. Yeah. A lot of people say that the new classic LA hot dogs, the bacon wrapped one. Uh, let's talk about our favorite hot dog places in okay. town. Vicious Dogs mm-hmm. in North Hollywood. The many doghouse locations. There's a chain called Doghouse, dog which house, is really good. Yeah. Create your own. Uh, Make it too spicy like <laughs> I did. Worst Koosh in the art district of LA. I had that. It's uh, very good. Uh, Curryverse. Curryverse. Kind of, yeah, it's pretty much a yeah. hot dog. Fab Hot Dogs in like Reseda. I haven't gone there. I mocked it before. I'm a really big fan of the Ikea 50 cent hot dogs because they're so affordable. They taste so affordable. <laughs> I know what my favorite hot dog is right now and I'm going to say it. Let's have it. Costco hot dog. It's a very strong contender. Yeah. The Costco hot dog. I mean, you can't go wrong. It's delicious. It's you nutritious. get that. You get that and a drink for $1.50. If they let you into Costco. If they is. let you in. <laughs> and I hope David Costco is listening to this right now. CEO of Costco <laughs> Mr. Corporation. Mr. Costco, we're Mr. calling you out. <laughs> we're calling you out. You want a showdown for a hot dog? I'll do it. <laughs> you want me to fight your champion employee <laughs> to get a hot dog? 7-Eleven hot dogs are very good, oh, too. Come on, Greg. This They're is getting good. gross. Shut up. You're, you're losing. Come on. You're losing do you, listeners. Do you think that, I mean, all these people we talked about pretty much started at a stand. Do you think that the people who have like the bacon wrap hot dogs things now will eventually <laughs> grow to trucks and then have locations? Do you think that's a possibility? I think the ones that care about it, yeah, you know, I'm sure some people just do it because I need money and <laughs> I can sell a hot dog. But maybe I'm sure there's some people out there that are like, no, this is this is how you make a <laughs> this hot is dog the ticket. Yeah, maybe, maybe yeah. in a hundred years when we're still doing this, we can talk about one of them. We should, I guess, Dodger Dogs are going to get their own episode. But what do you think about Dodger Dogs? I haven't had one in years, but I did love it. Although, didn't they switch? Yeah, um, they switched. The, the dog. I See, think. that's the same thing at Staples Center. They used to, I forget what brand they used to use, mm-hmm. and it was great, and then they switched to Farmer John, and it was, mm, no, yeah. not doing that. I haven't had a Dodger dog in a while, because I haven't been to a game in a while. I went to a game recently, and I got like a bite of one, but... <laughs> a bite of one that fell from the seats above you. And uh, I was lucky enough to catch it, because I played baseball when yeah. I was a kid. <laughs> you were trying to catch a foul ball in a hot dog bite. Even better! <laughs> I'll take it! And then you moved your glove, and it hit a child. <laughs> he should have had better reflexes. LA has pretty rich history of hot dogs yeah. <laughs> okie dogs <laughs> oh what a surprise that was yeah didn't we think that was gonna be a great decision yeah. who would have thought a burrito that happens to have a hot dog <laughs> in it can be listed as a hot dog on a menu it had like six other menu items in there yeah like are you just want me to wrap this up in tortilla <laughs> not if i mean i'll, I'll listen Okie dog. I'll give it another try, mm. but I feel like I went in there and I gave you money and you broke my knees or something. <laughs> How about okay dog is more like it. Ha ha. You know, that's what the listeners come to expect. <laughs> you know, eat some hot dogs over the summer. The 4th of July is in a few days. Yes, eat as many as you can. I assume you're all going to be in that competition in New York, the hot dog eating competition. Oh, I, lo- I love that. I love when watching wet hot dogs oh my God. spit through a guy's fingers as he's trying to shove a hot dog in his mouth. <laughs> what, and all, oh what's God. almost more enjoyable than watching it is listening to it <laughs> oh, sounds like a kid drowning water splashing and gasping for air and the faint sound of a hot dog so yeah eat a few hot dogs enjoy yes, your good. summer and uh yeah hey why don't you go to all these locations for taylor the pup if you could find it go ahead yeah why don't you send pictures of yourself to us we'll get on get on our fans a little bit yeah, eating hot dogs. you know naked eating a hot dog whatever yeah. you know what how about everyone put your favorite hot dog place 
No, I yeah. shouldn't say that because then when no one does it, it's going to just confirm that no one's listening. No one has to know that no one did it. Did it? Yeah, no one did it. You yeah. duds? <laughs> you dids? You know, if you like hot dogs, you'll also like leaving reviews on iTunes. You certainly would. Leave us a review on iTunes. You know, if you're leaving everyone else on iTunes, we know who you're leaving reviews for. We see reviews popping up on iTunes all the time, just not for us. We're the Farmer John of iTunes. Yeah, yeah. We're established, but nobody likes us. Kind of look <laughs> down upon yeah, We're established. Sure. <laughs> like us on Facebook, yes, follow please. us on Twitter, look at us on Tumblr. The link would be lameekly.tumblr.com. At lameekly for Tumblr. The- I mean, Tumblr. <laughs> Email la.meekly at gmail.com. So that's been this month's episode of LA. Meekly. LA. I say time. Me- melons. Mel- melanies. Mary. Melons. 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 We got it. Okay. So that's been melons. <laughs> Guarding the family's chili recipe since 2013. End. Mm-hmm.